0: Please stand if you're able, and we'll read God's holy word. Second Chronicles 29, we'll read verses 9 through 11. Hear now the word of God. Then the people rejoiced, for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy, Wherefore, David, blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, for ever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May the Lord bless us in the reading and hearing of it. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for your glory and kingdom, for your majesty and dominion and might. That you are exalted as head above all. So bless us to worship and glorify you, to bless your holy name with an undivided, with a perfect heart. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Here David is collecting for the building of the temple. His son Solomon will build. He will not be able to build. God will prohibit him from doing so. But here the people are gathering together the goods that will be needed to make this temple. Verse 9 tells us that the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly. They offered their worldly goods for the building of the temple sincerely devoted to God And to his kingdom because here's why they rejoiced because that with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord now a perfect heart can mean a sinless heart but that's not what it means here here it means they were not divided in their minds shall we give or shall we not well I'll give just so that people see me. No, they weren't divided. They gave for the glory of God for the building of his house. They offered willingly with a perfect heart, not with love of money, but love toward God and all their worldly goods at God's disposal. They were glad at this. They rejoiced in this. And notice, David the king, he also rejoiced with great joy. When a godly superior sees his inferiors obeying the Lord, what should his response be? Praise God, I bless the Lord. I rejoice that the people have given with their hearts sincerely. Verse 10, wherefore, or because of David's great joy and the people's generosity and sincerity, wherefore, David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. Who was it? That made the people offer willingly who was it that gave them an undivided heart could they pat themselves on the back and say bless my soul I sure did a great deed today no because of what they did David blesses God himself it's very important before the whole congregation God had changed their hearts God was the source of their sincere worship and their undivided devotion, and therefore David blesses God. Notice what he says. Verse 10, David said, "'Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel our Father.'" Now, first note, he is Jehovah. Blessed be thou, Jehovah, or Lord. And then he tells us something about Jehovah. That is, that he is the God of our father, Israel. We are heirs of the same God with the same inheritance as Israel himself. We partake in the root, in the fatness. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with our father, Israel. This is the gift that God gave to us. And notice... Not only is God to be blessed with his inheritance, the children of Israel, in this time, in this life, but how long should that worship continue? Forever and ever, David says. An eternal God deserves everlasting praise. And guess what? He will receive it from his inheritance, from his people. We will praise God forever and ever. There are some foolish people who say that in the Old Testament, their notion of the future is just a continuation of this life. And now in the New Testament, we have the opposite. We have the eternal life. Is that what this says? Did David expect that when he died, that would be it? No. His anticipation was that his blessing of God together with Israel, who is in heaven with God, would be everlasting. The blessing and praising of God would endure throughout all ages by David and all godly saints, together with Israel, our Father. Now, note verse 11 Thine, O Lord, is the greatness. Now, this word greatness refers to dignity, to majesty, or to greatness. God's exalted kingship. It belongs to him alone. All greatness. Then he says, and the power. That is the strength, the might, the valor, the bravery. All of it is yours. And the glory, the splendor, the renown, the beauty or the boasting. Whose is it? It's yours. The victory, the eminence or perpetuity, the strength. Or victory, that is yours, O God. What else is God's? Majesty, vigor, splendor, shining forth in power. It's all yours, God. And then what else? For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. God owns it all. Not only is he glorious in himself, possessing greatness. Power, glory, victory, and majesty. He owns everything else. In heaven and in the earth, it's all his. Who first spoke and they came into being? Who upholds all things by his power? Who causes all to come back to him as the end of all things, but God himself? All that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Then note... Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Who owns kingship? God does. He has a universal dominion. Now, this word head is to be the principal, the first, the top dog. Whose top dog? Who owns all? Who rules all? Who has all headship, kingship, government, sovereignty, and reign? God himself. I note then this doctrine. The worship of God is built upon the foundation of his person and works. The worship of God is built upon the foundation of his person. That is, what sort of God are we talking about? And that's what David is describing. Greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty. All that belongs to God himself, his person. What about his works? Well, he moved the people to offer willingly. He can change hearts in the gospel. But also he's the creator universal. He's created everything that we see. He owns it all. He has made a covenant. With Israel, our father, and with us, his children. You see, God's works are glorious, gracious, powerful. God's person, God's works, these are the basis on which worship is offered. If we have low thoughts of God, will we be moved to worship him? No. In fact, the word worship is a contraction worth ship. What is the worth of God? What is he worth to you? What is he worth to me? Worship will declare to yourself and to the angels and to God himself, what do you think God's really worth? How valuable is he to you? Worship says, if we value his person and his works highly, we will worship him with sincere reverence and undivided heart. If we have low thoughts of God, well, it's like he's your buddy. You know, he's kind of your amigo, or you might despise him, take it or leave it. No big deal. That's worship too, it just shows what worth you ascribe to God. God is glorious. God is majestic. He is highest in dignity. He is able to do all things. He is of perpetual renown, eminence, strength, splendor, and vigor. God created, upholds, and governs all things and brings all things to their appointed end. God made a covenant of grace with our Father Israel. Therefore, we may bless, praise, worship, and pray to God. Because of God's glory in himself, Because of the greatness of his works, therefore David blesses God before the congregation. Let us then meditate on the glorious attributes of God. Let us think upon his majesty and let us rejoice greatly. If God has moved our hearts to worship him, let us bless God for his work in us. Let us submit to his principality, his headship, his sovereignty, his providential government, his moral right to rule us by his commandments. This is true worship to God. And note also what is it that encourages David to praise God, to bless him, and to pray to him? It is God himself. Let us take our encouragement in prayer from God only, because if it's our will that's going to be done, there's no point. Might as well just go do your will. Why ask God? But if it's God's will that is to be done, we can be encouraged in our prayers. As the famous missionary to India, William Carey, says, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. What do we expect from God? What are we going to ask him for? Well, what has he told us to ask? That all the kingdoms of the earth would bow before his scepter and do his holy will. That we might be sanctified fully in body and spirit and in soul. That we might be raised from corruption to incorruption. That we might dwell with him forevermore. Pray these things. Let us take our encouragement and prayer from God only. If we desire to praise God, to obey Him, to pray to Him, it is the glorious, majestic, and gracious God that has moved us so to do. Please turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you would, page 1160 of your pew Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Starting at verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Else When thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? Note here a few things. Verse 15, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. Now the context is, some people in the apostolic church had a gift they could speak with tongues, they could say things that they never learned growing up, languages, whole linguistic groups, that they had never spoken in their entire lives, but the Spirit of God could enable them to speak forth those words. We see this in Acts chapter two in particular. This isn't Hamalama Dingdong language, this is actual languages from Ethiopians, Parthians, Midians. They say, we came from all these foreign lands, now we hear them speak The works of God in our tongues in which we were born. Now if you came to a Christian worship service and you offered up a prayer and you started speaking in a tongue that nobody speaks in that place, would you edify those people? Well according to the mystic theory of worship you would because worship is all about your feelings and the smells and the sights that you see. But Christian worship is not about your feelings, your sights, and your smells and bells. That's not what it's about. Rather, it's about can you, with understanding, pray? Because if you can't, there's no point. You can't pray with gibberish, saying words that don't make any sense to you. The languages of men who are gathered together for worship must be understood, So that spiritual worship, whether in prayer or in song, is an action of the understanding, not merely of the will, of the affections and the body. This is why if you write down a praise and worship chorus and it sounds dumb to you, you shouldn't be singing it. Blah, 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 blah. I could say that as much as I could say the words of many praise choruses. Blah, 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 blah. What does it mean i don't know we just say it 35 times again and again that's just exactly what he's condemning you're not worshiping god with your understanding have you ever seen the psalm say blah 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 i just want to 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 No. what do you see because of those mine enemies lord in thy righteousness do thou me lead do thou thy way make straight before my face is that comprehensible Do we understand what he's saying I have enemies you're my righteous God lead me make your way straight before my face show me what I ought to do that's not blah 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 no you must sing with your understanding and when you pray you must understand what it is that you say and what it is that others say and note verse 16 Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, your inner man praising, blessing, or praying to God with the voice of thanksgiving, but you speak in a tongue that your neighbor does not understand, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? Notice. Notice. There is a man who does not know your foreign language. He does not understand what you're saying. In fact, the word here is idiotes. We get our word idiot from this. It is a person who has not learned a thing, who does not understand it. He hears you, but he's unlearned. He doesn't know the language you're speaking. How shall he say amen? at thy giving of thanks now amen is what we call an appropriated foreign term it's a Hebrew word it means so let it be or I believe it I confirm this but when an appropriated foreign term comes into a foreign language it's no longer a foreign term it's now a Greek word amen is a Greek word and it's a Latin word and it's an English word and it's a Dutch word and it's a German word in every other language Wherever the Gospels come, amen is a native word to that people group. And why do we say amen? I consent. So let it be. Be it so. Now this is the proper conclusion of prayer in general. And of giving of thanks in particular. If someone gives thanks for a benefit God has given, we should consent to it. We should say amen. I agree with that. We should state, in the prayers, as they are concluded, should we consent to them and know that God is pleased with this prayer, we can say and ought to say, Amen. Will Christ, our high priest, cover such a prayer with the incense on his altar? Then we say, Amen. Will those prayers ascend before the face of God through the merits and mediation of Christ? Then we say, Amen. Question 107 of our shorter catechism. What doth the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer teach us? The conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, which is, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Amen, teacheth us to take our encouragement in prayer from God only, and in our prayers to praise Him, ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to Him, and in testimony of our desire, an assurance to be heard, we say, Amen.